was a good man. God used him to bring deliverance to Syria. But Naaman had a problem. He was a good man with a horrible disease. A good man, but according to the law of Moses, he was not to come in contact with anyone. He could not have relationship with his family. He could not come within such and such distance of anybody without calling out unclean, unclean. Uh, He was not to be seen in public. Naaman was a great man, but he was human. He was imperfect. All of us have tests in our lives. You can not give a testimony until you first have a test. You can't say that I'm an overcomer unless you have first had something to overcome. It is the difficulty that is in our lives that we love to give the testimony and thank God for the testimony. But at the same time, we have to go through something to give a testimony. Amen. And so uh, you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. God said that he is made strong and he is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. And most of the time when I preach, I don't preach out of my strength. I preach from my struggle. I don't preach from the place of knowing it. I preach from the place of working out in private uh, the things that are going on in my life. And then I speak about it in public so that others may benefit from my struggle and be able to overcome in that area of their life. Amen. I just talk about the places that I've been and what I have walked out and sometimes what I have crawled out of and sometimes what I've mined out of. Amen. And it speaks to uh, not about a theory, but it speaks about a lesson learned in life. And so uh, God uses imperfect people. So if you're here today and you're still struggling, you should be encouraged. Because the fact of it is, Jesus comes and he uses those imperfect people. Hallelujah. Is anybody thankful that God can still use you in the midst of your imperfectness? Amen. The good thing about God is you don't have to go through two years of training before you can become saved. You don't have to sign up a form and say, this is this and that is that. He don't ask you where you've been, what you've done, or what you're thinking about doing. He just says to come to me with a godly sorrow and I'll in no wise cast you out. Amen. He'll find you where you are, love you for who you are, and change the things about you that are not like him. Amen. It is in this process called the Christian life in which he changes us. And as we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, it begins to change the way we think. It begins to change the way we walk. It changes the way we talk. And we begin to look like and live like and act more like Jesus as the word changes changes our life. Hallelujah. Amen. So we must just, uh, he just said, I'll take you just as you are and I will make the changes that are needed in you. Amen. Naaman was great because he was willing to admit that he had a problem. Most people are quick to point out everyone else's problems. Most people are quick to point out other people's failures. Amen. They just want to pick apart everyone else. I know y'all don't know anybody like that. But I know a person or two, right? 
and they want to point out everybody else's problems and everyone else's issues and they want to pull the, 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 the little splinter out of somebody else's eye and can't see the telephone pole in their own. Amen. But if you're going to be doing surgery on me, then get that telephone pole up out of your eye. I want you to be able to see what you're doing. Come on, somebody. Amen. And if you're not willing to do that, then just leave the splinter alone and let God work on me. Come on, somebody. Amen. You see, we, we're quick to pull the, want to pull the splinter out of someone else's eye. But Naaman learned the art of listening. There's a lot of people know how to talk, but there's few people that know how to listen. Amen. But Naaman listened and he heard this little maidservant, this little nobody, this little insignificant person that was taking care of his wife and cleaning his house and, and doing these meaning, meaningless jobs. But yet Naaman heard what she said. I want to tell you that you got to be careful that you don't listen to people that God bring into your life. And if you're not careful, you'll think, well, why do I have to listen to them? Because they ain't all that I am. They, they ain't been in church 28 years like me. What can they tell me? I mean, I, I'm doing it now. I'm teaching the word. I'm singing. I'm shouting. And they just come. But you got to be careful. Because God may send you the word that you need through somebody that, that just got saved yesterday. That he may send you the word through somebody that, that you don't even uh, have relationship with, but he'll send you the word. And if you have the art of listening, you can catch the word that God has for you and your life can be turned around. He heard from a little maid that there was a prophet in Israel that could heal him. In verse 2, this maid comes and tells Naaman's wife, I wish that my, my, my master was in Israel because there's a prophet in Israel that can heal him. Think about this. This is the epitome of a Christian life. This is a little slave girl who should have been glad that her master was going to die. Are you following me? Should have been happy that he would have this terminal sickness that surely he didn't have much life left. Amen? But she doesn't look at him and say, ha-ha, you're getting what came to you. She didn't look at him and say, I'm glad you're about to die. And I'm just going to pray that it hurry up and happen for you. I mean, no, that's what some folk would have said. But you see, she had the Christian spirit that we find in Matthew 5 and 44. He said, you have heard that said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How many know that's only two verses, but that's a whole lot more to live out than what you can read in a minute. 
It's on somebody that's reciprocating that love back in your life. But whenever he says, yeah, anybody can love somebody that's loving on you. But I tell you, love those who hate you. They despitefully use you, but you just keep on smiling and doing the right thing. Keep on living out before them this Christian lifestyle. It's not easy. Amen. It's easier read than it is lived. But I'm telling you that that is what causes the love of Christ to be revealed. It's whenever those who despitefully use you and hate on you, you still show them the love of Christ. If she would have been like most people, she'd have just said, well, it's payback day for you. Right? But she did the unthinkable. She directs him to the prophet, the man of God, who is able to bring healing to his body. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You see, this is the most important thing that you will ever learn, to learn where the power is. Amen? Stained glass windows and padded pews have no power. A gold cross has no power. Amen? A big Bible has no power. Amen? You can have, be gifted and talented and have skill and even be honorable, but those things uh, just being around you will not produce power in your life. Many think that they have a title or they have a position, then they have power. But I want to tell you today that Naaman mis misunderstood. He made the mistake of thinking that position meant power. Amen? And when we, he went to Israel to be healed, amen, she told him to go to the prophet, but he went to the king. Because he thought that if the king was the one in position, then he was also the one in power. He thought that if he had power with men, then he also had power with God. But I want to tell you today that you can have so many titles. You can have, amen, all these uh, gifts and you can have all these accolades and you can have all of these names at the end of your own name. But it is not going to give you any power. Amen. I'm telling you today, thank God for education. Get all that you can get. Thank God for wisdom. You need it. But at the end of the day, it's because you have not a position, but you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship that you have with him will bring power into your life. Amen. The king of Israel thinks that Naaman is doing uh, uh, this to start a fight. He comes and he says, why is he coming to me? Am I God? How can I heal him? He's just wanting to pick a fight. He's just wanting to come to me and say, heal me. And when I can't heal him, then he's going to start a war here. Are you following me? Because what happens here is, why did the king feel this way? It was because he was powerless to heal him. The king doesn't want to admit that he's powerless. Just because a person has a position before men does not mean they have power with God. Listen to me. Religion is never a substitute for a relationship with God. Amen. There's a lot of people who are, have, are, have religion in the church. But when religion can't produce, it'll shift the blame 
to somebody else. I'm preaching better than you letting on up in here now. Amen. Religion will put the blame on somebody else. The king knew that he didn't have the power to heal, so he accuses Naaman of trying to start a fight, being a troublemaker. When religion can't solve, the religion tries to shift the blame. You will never hear a religious person say, it's my fault. You will never hear a religious person say, I'm not, uh, I'm not where I need to be with God. You'll never hear a religious person say, I'm sorry that I acted that way. I haven't been praying the way that I should. You'll never hear a religious person say, I'm sorry. It's not God's fault. It's not your fault. But it's stinking me. It's my fault. When religion can't produce, it always wants to shift the blame to someone else. Religion says, I can't help it. Amen? I can't help that I'm punching holes in the wall. I'm German. Or maybe this will fit better. I'm Irish. (laughs) Huh? I can't help it. It's the way I was raised. It was my environment that caused me to be like I am. I can't help uh, having a short temper. I'm an Indian. Religion always wants to put the blame on someone else, on something else. Religion always says that, uh, you know, it's not my fault. I was born this way. Amen. It must be the will of God because, you know, but I want to tell you something this morning. It's never the will of God for you to have a short temper and a quick mouth. It's never the will of God for you to always be going off on you and throwing pans. That ain't normal. Come on, somebody. And and hit your spouse and acting a fool up in the house. Come on. It's never the will of God. Don't put the blame on somebody else. Look at in the mirror and say, it's not my wife, it's not my child, but it's me, oh God, that's standing in the need of prayer. prophet sent a message to the king and he said, I hear that Naaman was come to you and you don't know what to do for him. He said, I've got a word for you, king. Send him to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes God has to redirect your faith. Naaman had faith. He, he had enough faith to hear the word of this little servant and act upon that word. But his faith was in the wrong place. He thought that his faith had to be attached to a position. He thought that the one in position had the power with men also had the power with God. Amen. When Naaman goes over to the prophet's house, he sends an assistant out to give him the message. Let me, let me say it like this. He sent the associate pastor. And nobody wants the associate pastor because they don't have God like the lead pastor. 
Let me just dispel this myth today. We don't have no second-class pastors up in here. Amen. The same God that's in me is the same God that is in you. Amen. And all we have to do is make that connection. And if we have the faith to believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. He didn't say if you can agree with the pastor. He said if any two or three of you get together in my name in faith believing, he said, I'm going to do it for you. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So he sends out his assistant with the message and tells him, he says, you know, Naaman has this preconceived idea. Have you ever preconceived how God was going to move for you? Yeah. We all have. We've prayed and we felt like, yeah, the answer is, God says the answer is coming. And then we begin to preconceive how it's going to come. And we say now, revival's coming. And when revival comes, I'm going to get up there on Sunday night and, and they're going to anoint me with oil and, and the, the minister's going to pray over me and, and glory's going to come down and, and, and I'm going to rejoice for the victory. We preconceive how he's going to send it. Well, so-and-so is going to come over and pray for me. And if I can just get them to come over and pray for me. Huh? If I can just get to a Benny Hinn meeting. I'm not against gifts. I honor the gift. Are you hearing me? But I want to tell you, you can save your money and just have some faith. But we want to put the blame on somebody else. We want to shift it to somebody else. I was in a meeting this week and somebody was talking about how expensive that a surgery was going to be. And I said, well, and, and, and we was in a group of, of Christian believers. And I said to them, I said, well, uh, how about if, if I just pray for you, get you healed, and you give me the money? He looked at me and said, you can't do that. I said, I can because God has anointed us to lay hands on the sick. You see, we've got so far away from this gospel message that we don't even believe. But I want to tell you today, I still believe that all things are possible through Jesus Christ. I still believe that he's able to heal, to deliver and set the captive free. I still believe that he is the hope for this hopeless world. I still believe that he can bring joy in the midst of sorrow, triumph in the midst of disaster. He's still God all by himself. And he's just looking for somebody that will believe. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. See, he tells Naaman, he says, got a word for you. Go dip seven times in Jordan River. And the pride that was in Naaman starts coming out. All of us have things in us that we didn't even know were there until. When trouble comes in your life, the real you shows up. Amen. I ain't talking about the all cleaned up, prettied up, nice you. I'm talking about the troubled you. I'm talking about when you don't have any answers. 
I'm talking about when the situation is overwhelming in your life and you don't know which way to turn, the real you shows up. Amen? It's difficult for us because, you see, Naaman, I see this picture here, Naaman gets angry because he thought that the prophet was going to wave his hand over him and say, be gone. And it was going to be a cute little deliverance, a cute little healing. But remember last Sunday I told you, sometimes you got to give God an ugly praise. Sometimes you just got to get down in the muddy, ugly, nasty Jordan River. Amen. And, and just do, just do what he said to do. The Bible said that he was, uh, heard him and he said, I thought he was just going to wave his hand over me. And he didn't even come down there. He sent his assistant with a message. But can I tell you if the word is from God? I don't care if it comes in a Walmart bag or a Macy bag. I don't care if it's fit sacks. I don't care how it's dressed up. All I need is the word from God. I don't care how it's delivered. It don't matter to me if it's from a little child or from an elder. It doesn't matter to me if it's in white skin, black skin, or red skin. All I need is a word from God and how it's delivered doesn't matter to me. I just need a word. Amen. But he got caught up on how the message was sent. Amen. He, he got caught up on, he went through all of this process only to choke because the message wasn't sent the way he thought it ought to be sent. We mess up when we think that we can tell God when and where and who, but God will use the person most unlikely to bring you the blessing. Naaman was angry. He doesn't know uh, who I am. He don't, he know that I'm better than this. You see, his arrogance came out. His pride came out. Don't he know that I've got water that's cleaner than what they're drinking over there at the house? I could go over there and wash. Amen. God wants to do more than heal your surface issue. He wasn't, he wants to heal your heart issue. That's causing your surface issue. Did you just hear what I said? God wants to do more than heal your surface issue. He wants to heal your heart issue that's causing the surface issue. Amen. God is not interested in dealing with the symptoms. He wants to deal with the root of the problem that's causing the symptoms. And so he says, the problem is not in your flesh, Naaman. The problem is in your heart. And if you want to be healed from this, then I've got to deal not with your flesh, but with your heart. The disease in your heart is the source of your sickness. Do you know that most diseases today stem from heart problems? Most heart issues come from unforgiveness, grudges, bitterness, but it shows up in symptoms in your body. But the symptom in your body is not the problem. The problem is the root in your heart. That's the reason why Hebrews called it a root of bitterness. You don't see the root. All you see is the symptoms from the root. But you've got to deal with the root. 
if you want to take care of the symptoms. Amen. You, you see, can I tell you like this? If you want to get rid and quit having to take the Advil and the Tylenol and propping it up, you got to deal with the root of the problem that's causing the symptoms. Ain't nobody saying nothing in here now. Leprosy was killing Naaman's body, but pride was killing his soul. Before we could be delivered of the disease in the flesh, he had to be healed of the disease that was in his soul because he was at dis-ease with God. The Bible said from the heart flows the issues of life. These issues that I've got are coming because of a heart problem that I have. Mm. And while I'm trying to prop up, cover up, hide up, and do something with the issues, God's saying, I, I, I'm thankful that you want to take care of that, but the real thing is you've got to deal with the heart. Go dip seven times in muddy Jordan. Seven is the number of completion. Seven is the number of obedience. Dip seven times. Anything less is not partial obedience. It's total disobedience. Amen. Some are asking why haven't I received my blessing? Why haven't I received my miracle? But I want to ask you today a question. Have you done all? That God said for you to do. Have you done everything? Amen. You have done part. But have you done it all? When God tells you what to do. You can't pick and choose. What I'm going to do. You must do all. That he says to do. Many times we're like Naaman. We are willing to obey. As long as it makes sense to us. But this muddy Jordan ain't making no sense up to me. This going down there and getting in this muddy water, it just doesn't seem right to me. Amen. And so he says, look, as long as it don't make sense, I just don't know if I want to do that or not. Sometimes it don't make sense to do a little simple act of obedience. Like, Raise your hand. Well, nobody else is raising their hand. Why should I raise mine? A little simple act of obedience, like respond to my word. Well, there ain't nobody else seeming like it's helping them. I'm talking about pride. I'm talking about a simple act, and yet we will not obey the simple, we've done sometimes the hard thing, Naaman. We've went all the way over to Israel. We made the journey. But now we're going to let this little thing stop us from receiving our blessing. I've come to tell somebody today that it isn't a great thing that is uh, hindering or limiting or stopping you from receiving the, uh, the blessing that God has. But it's that little thing that you have yet to do. 
Amen. And I want to tell you that many times like Naaman, we do this and we go so far, but yet we don't finish it. But you must obey. You see, obedience is better than sacrifice. But obedience will cost you. It, not necessarily money, but it'll cost you your pride. It'll cost you your arrogance. It'll cost you your plans. It'll cost you your feelings. It'll cost you your emotions. Come on. And every dip Naaman took stripped him of a little more pride. His servant come up and said, look here, I, I'm not, I know that I don't have any business talking to you, but you ain't making any sense. You've come all the way over here. You've brought the, the prophet gifts. You've done all of these things. And now you're going to go home because you don't want to do this little thing. If he would have asked you to give him uh, half of the kingdom, you would have done it. If he had asked you to give him servants and if he would have asked you to give him something great, you would have done it. But all he has told you is just go dip in the river. And you're going to go home because of your pride and not receive the miracle. You're going to go home and die. You understand that, Naaman? I want to tell somebody this morning, it's that little thing that's holding you back. It's that little act of obedience that's stopping you. And I want to tell you that pride will stand in your way and you'll die. You'll not see the fulfillment of the word of God. Yes, God has spoken to you. Yes, his desire is for you to be healed. It's here for you to be blessed. It's for miracles to come into your life. But you see, you're going to go home without that if you're not willing to say, God, help me to decrease that you can increase. Help me that my pride will be destroyed, that you may be exalted. Help me to be obedient to your word. Amen. Every dip stripped off more of that pride. Have you ever seen somebody that didn't worship? Wouldn't worship? This is boring. About to get on with it. They know the Presbyterians are getting out soon. What's wrong with them? Just keep on singing that song over and over again. We get it. You can stop now. And refuse to worship. But I want to tell you today that your worship is powerful. It's not out of an act. You know, some the worship leaders or myself may come and say, lift your hands. It ain't so that we can all just lift our hands and get some kind of exercise. It's an act of obedience. And whenever you don't lift your hands, if you can lift your hands, you ought to be thankful to be able to lift your hand. Amen. It's just an act of obedience. And in that simple act of obedience... Your blessing can be connected to it. One thing about Naaman that I appreciate is this. He was a finisher. He was a finisher. 
he understood commitment. And that's what we need more of in the church today. We must be committed. Amen. It's not just about the shout. I know, you know, I've evangelized for 18 years. I know, you know, most people think, especially in in Pentecostal circles and those type of things, that we don't think that we've had church unless we're going 100 miles an hour and somebody's hanging from the chandeliers. Huh? But hey, that's all good. Every once in a while, we need some of that. Amen? But I want to tell you, it's not just about the shout. Whenever you get finished shouting, you've got to have some word to stand on. Amen? And when things are good, we want to rejoice. But in the good and in the bad, you can find me in the house of the Lord. Amen? We need some committed people that will commit no matter what's going on in their life. We need some folks that says, if my husband walks out on me, I'm still going to live for God. We need some folks that say, if I lose my job, I'm still going to be found in the house of the Lord. All of my friends may walk out, but I'm still going to live for God because I'm committed to the life of Jesus Christ. No matter how long it takes, I'm going to stay in it to win it. Amen. I'm still here today, not because everything went right in my life. I'm still here today, not because that uh, everything in my life has been pleasant. Amen. Not because I have friends in high places. I'm here today, not because that I'm the best or even great. I'm not here today because of all of these things and because that I have it all together. But I've learned the art of being persistent. I've learned that when I don't know how to stand, to just stand. I've learned that even though that I may not see the next step, that I just consistently pick up the foot and know that God is ordering my steps. And even though I may not have it all together, I trust him that he is going to make a way somehow for me. Amen. God never promised us that there wouldn't be no problems. He just said, I'll guide you through the problems. He never said there wouldn't be any trouble. In fact, he told you, get ready. Because if you choose to live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. And many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us out of them all. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today that God will take care of us. If Naaman would have stopped at three, he would have never got it. If he'd have stopped at four, five, or six, he would have never been healed. But it would, was never, he would have never been happy. It would have never happened for him. But when God gives you a word, you just do it. Amen. Just do it. And he, the, his servant came to him and said, Naaman, why don't you just go down there and do it? Amen. And when we do the natural... God puts his super on it and it becomes supernatural. So we just do it. The widow had a son and the Bible said she was out gathering sticks and getting ready to make her last meal and die. Right? And and said that the word of the Lord came to her and, and said, I want you to bake me a cake first. And she says to him, 
puts it off on it, says, we're just going to, we only have a handful of meal and a little bit of oil, and we're getting ready to cook this last meal, and then me and my son's going to die. And he said, well and good, but bake me a cake first. And he said, your meal barrel will never run dry, and the oil will always be sustained. Hallelujah. She obeyed the word. Amen. And her meal barrel never ran dry. And the oil continually was in her vessel. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there was a widow that was in debt. And the Bible said that she was in such an overwhelming debt that the creditors were coming to take her sons away to be slaves, to repay the debt. Amen. But the the man of God shows up with a word from God and said, I want you to go borrow all the vessels you can find. And all the vessels that you can find, watch this, according to her faith. She brought in all the vessels that her faith would believe for. And the Bible says that whenever she brought them in, that every vessel was filled with oil. Amen. I want to tell you today that you've got to rise up and believe big. You've got to believe God for large things. Amen. Had she had double the, the vessels, there'd have been double the oil. But thank God there was more than enough. Not only did she pay off her, her creditors, but she had a, a system in which that she can live the rest of her life on. And not only her life, but her son's life. Glory to God. Can I tell you? Yeah, give him praise. One day she was looking for a way out. And the next day she found herself in the oil business. Hallelujah. The wedding was there. Jesus went to the wedding and the Bible said they ran out of wine. And he, the, her mama came and said, do whatever he tells you to do. Just do it. And he said, go get the vessels and fill them up with water and bring them to me. Amen. He said, if you're obedient, then it's going to be all right. And just as Jesus told them to do, they were obedient and their act of obedience brought them to a place that they saw a miracle that day. If you will be obedient to that one word that God has given you, amen, you will tap into the power source that is needed for your miracle. Amen, if you will trust him with that one word, one word from God can sustain you and bring you out of sickness. One word from God can bring you out of that pain. One word from God can bring you out of that debt. Your act of obedience to that word will cause victory to come in your life. One act of obedience can heal those heart problems that you've been dealing with and the issues keep resurfacing over and over again. But I'm here today to tell somebody, just do what God told you to do and he'll not only take the symptoms, but he will heal the heart issue that you're dealing with. Amen. You've already come this far. Why not go all the way? Why not just say, I'm going for broke? Today, why not say, is the day, today is the day I'm going all the way. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to believe his word. And I'm going to ask him to do for me what I've been unable to do for myself. I'm going to trust him. Tis so sweet 
to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at one word. And if I will obey that one word, he's going to deal with the heart issue. Now get ready for some stuff to come out you didn't even know was there. Get ready for him to remove some things that you thought, well, that couldn't have come out of me. Come and help me back. Get ready for him to do some surgery to bring out some pride and some preconceived ideas and some things that have been surfacing in your flesh and you thought that you had it all under control. But he said, just because you put some ointment on it and just because the spots went away doesn't mean you don't still have leprosy. Just because you're looking good on the outside doesn't mean the root of the problem isn't still on the inside. And the king can't fix it. I'm not a political person. You haven't never heard me preach on politics because I'm not a politician. I'm not running for anything. But I want to tell you something. The reason why that America is in the place that it is in is because we put far too much trust in systems of this world that have no power. People's looking for another stimulus check and they're looking for another bailout. They're looking for help here and help there. But God is forcing America to say the power is not with the king. Oh, he may be the most powerful person in the world being the president of the United States, but he don't have the power that is needed to save your marriage. He don't have the power that's needed to bring healing and hope to your life. He doesn't have the power to turn those circumstances around when your children are acting crazy. You've done trained them up. You've done all that you know to do. You've given them a godly example, but yet they're acting crazy today. They don't have the power to turn that around. King pushed it off and said, well, this is that way and that way. But I want to tell you today that a relationship with God gives us the ability when hurting people are coming to us. We don't have to put it off and say, well, I don't know if we can do that or not or blame it on something else. We can say, let's go to the source of our strength. God can do anything. He's able to help you, girl. I know your husband walked out on you and left you with those kids, but God's your, your, your friend that'll stick closer than a brother. I know you lost your job, man, and, and you feel embarrassed and you feel ashamed and you feel like you're overwhelmed, don't know how you're going to pay the bills, but God is our source. And some way and somehow, God's going to take care of you. Just obey Him. Just trust Him. Just depend upon him and he'll make a way for you.
Would you stand with me today? I've come to talk to somebody that's in that place where you've done a lot. You've come a long ways. But you haven't got to that place of your miracle yet, that place of your blessing. And there's just a little something that you've yet to do. That word has come to you and, and, and you just said, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. I'm not going to respond to that, but I want to be like Naaman's servant today and say, after you've come this far, are you going to go home without the word that God has placed over your life? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal savior. That one act of obedience of coming to him and asking him, God, forgive me. I know it don't make no sense. How can you ask a God to forgive you that you've never seen? And he forgive you and your life really be changed forever. I want to tell you today, I cannot tell you how it happens. I only know that it does happen. And when you experience it for yourself, nobody can talk you out of it. I can't tell you how a refrigerator will freeze things and plug a, a stove in below it and it'll burn things up. But I know today that it works. And I want to tell you today that the God we serve, it works. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you today. Just take him at his word. Obey that word. He said, come unto me, all you that have labored and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, if you would come to me with a godly sorrow, I'll no wise cast you out. It don't matter where you've been, what you're into. He'll bring you out today.